0: Welcome to the next Fireside Chat here at the Cold Chain Summit. My name's Kevin Hill with FreightWaves, and joining me right now, we're going to talk about autonomous vehicles with Sam Sod from Gaddock, the head of operations there. How are you doing today, Sam?
1: Doing really well, Kevin. Great to be here with you.
0: Well, let's jump into autonomous vehicles and what Gaddock is doing, and if you can fill our audience in on on your origin stories or Gaddock's origin stories and where you've been uh, over the last few years.
1: Sure, happy to. So the company was founded in Palo Alto in 2017 uh, by three of the nicest smarty pants I've ever met in my entire life. Uh, They are classically trained roboticists uh, with some expertise in uh, machine learning uh, and AI as well. And the reason that they founded Gaddock is because they saw a gap in autonomous freight movement. That gap is what we call the middle mile. So when you typically think about autonomous vehicles moving freight, you have large haul on one end of the spectrum, mostly highway driving, and then you have the slower moving uh, robots or even the sidewalk moving robots doing B to C. What Gadic does is it focuses on the middle mile, which is a B to B play uh, connecting micro-fulfillment centers, fulfillment centers, different retail locations, different office locations. So that really expensive, unglamorous part of the supply chain that currently is getting a little bit squeezed uh, due to e-commerce.
0: Is that something that that Gaddix started out focusing on, the, the middle mile, or has that evolved over time?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, We started out focusing on the middle mile, and really the thesis there is that autonomy has been overpromised. If we look back at 2013, 14, 15, uh, the experts, quote-unquote, would say that every vehicle on the road today would be autonomous, which doesn't even add up uh, because 3% of vehicles on the road are new vehicles. So even if every vehicle purchased back in 2015 was an autonomous one, we wouldn't be at that uh, pivot point. However, what's really nice about the middle mile is that they are known fixed, repeatable routes. So what we focus on is constraining the autonomy problem. We're not trying to solve for universal autonomy, such as level five. We're really trying to solve for that level four constraint. And the moment that you know your routes and they're fixed and repeatable, then a lot of the structured variables, a lot of the structured edge cases, uh, essentially items in your environment that might be variable, but if you know the route, you know to look out for them, those uh, go out the window. So we don't, necessarily, we can solve for those once. We don't have to solve for those periodically. And it just makes the technology a lot more easy to commercialize from a technical uh, approach. And one last caveat, because my engineers would kill me if I said it was an easy problem to solve. It's still a very complex problem, but it actually makes it uh, doable.
0: It, it does reduce the, the amount of variables involved if you have a fixed uh, de, fixed pick, pickup and fixed destination and a fixed route that you're always running across there is another variable uh, that because you guys run box trucks on the middle mile for the most part. Is, is autonomy easier or, or is, is a, there a clearer path to autonomy with smaller vehicles than say Laura's tractor trailers?
1: Yeah, another great question. So we are currently uh, the only company that we're aware of that uh, does autonomous box trucks. So our box trucks will go from about 10 feet, our boxes, until about uh, 26 feet. That allows them to drive in the environments uh, where our customers uh, currently do business, which is urban, semi-urban, and, um, and highway. It is much simpler to operate just in terms of sheer size, a vehicle uh, that has a box of 10 or 26 feet or up to 26 feet on there, rather than a long haul truck with 53 feet of cargo driving through downtown Manhattan. So that's definitely uh, one of the core areas why we kept um, looking for the the perfect use case along the types of routes and the types of vehicles being used on those routes.
0: Exactly. Uh, let, let's talk about the business that you have now. You, you mentioned the, the, the routes that you're doing right now. Can you describe type, uh, the type of movements say, that you're, you're making from warehouses or fulfillment centers to, to retail stores and, and kind of kind of what Gatic is, uh, is doing right now?
1: Sure. I'll paint you a picture. Um, so very publicly, we have a partnership with Walmart and we're operating in Bentonville where we're taking goods from one of their dark stores where e-commerce orders are fulfilled to one of their neighborhood markets where the customer that placed that order can arrive and have the goods loaded directly into their vehicle. So if you kind of look at you know, historically how that part of the supply chain is fulfilled, it's typically long haul trucking on a milk run once or twice a week going from a distribution center to that retail location. With e-commerce, what we're seeing is uh, the ma- demand uh, on a number of SKUs is almost real time, and I'll call it near real time. So if you don't have an item available on your digital shelves, you don't have uh, the customers a disproportionate reaction. You don't have that same kind of leeway that you might have had if a customer walked into a bricks and mortars and once in a while didn't find a particular item. What that means essentially is a customer doesn't care about what's happening in the back end and won't wait one or two days for that 53-foot truck to arrive and replenish a shelf in a neighborhood market where they want to be able to place an online order and then go pick that up. So fulfillment is moving a lot closer to the customer, which in many ways can be more expensive for retailers because that footprint uh, is just a little bit closer to uh, neighborhoods that are commercial, residential, rather than being out uh, more in the suburbs or even further out. And the other shift that we're seeing in the wave that we're riding here is we're moving away from long-haul trucking to these smaller platforms, 10, 26 feet, that can carry a little bit less load, that can navigate these urban uh, landscapes a little bit more easily, and that go back and forth multiple times per day, not multiple times per week. That increase in uh, having more vehicles, having more drivers, and operating them More on more routes uh, hits our customers' bottom line. So for us to be able to offer. Uh, autonomy, it's its just a perfect time for them to be able to really tap into not only those cost savings, but also a lot of the efficiencies that come along with autonomous vehicles.
0: You're exactly right. And in, in 2020 is a year of COVID and replenishment on the shelves where grocery and general merchandise demand has has gone through the roof. So I imagine that's been a, a plus for the, the fulfillment and the micro-fulfillment that, that Gaddock does.
1: Yeah, it's been a boom, um, most certainly. Our customers are doing well. So you can just kind of look at the figures that have been released across the board uh, and see that uh, e-commerce is up anywhere from about 70 to 90 percent year over year uh, with uh, customers like Walmart, Target, and a few others, and, and potential customers as well. Um, so we're really we're riding that particular wave. We're helping our customers solve for uh, an unexpected problem, uh, a transportation network that is looking for compact delivery as much as possible, and one that is looking for that that middle mile uh, fulfillment to retail location solution.
0: 2020 has been the year of fulfillment, especially with groceries and, and general merchandise uh, w- with the pandemic. So I, I imagine that has been, that's accelerated the trends of middle mile and autonomous vehicles and that that, that quick fulfillment that you just described uh, from distribution centers to, to the stores.
1: That's exactly right. Consumers want their essential goods, and they want to be able to place orders online, know that they're going to reliably either have those orders delivered to their front door, or they're going to be able to pull up into a retail location and have those orders contactlessly uh, placed into the boot of their vehicle, into into the trunk of their vehicle. And we facilitate that near real-time demand that is increased now about 50 to 90% year-over-year. Year. When you take a look at the figures coming out of Walmart Q2, uh, Target Q3, it's, it's an unexpected and unprecedented growth on the e-commerce side of things. So our vehicles not only uh, allow for that more rapid deployment and fulfillment of goods, but we also offer uh, that contactless piece. Uh, If you can imagine not having a driver uh, in the loop, uh, it really just kind of takes an individual that might carry pathogens from one location to another completely out of the equation. And right now, that's exactly what our customers are looking for because their customers, the end consumer, uh, wants to know that they can get their essential goods on time and in a safe manner.
0: Yeah, 50 to 90% increase in business. That is astronomical. Uh, what was the breakdown? We're at the cold chain summit, right? So, so what's the breakdown between refrigerated goods on the SKUs and uh, dry goods?
1: Yeah, we have about a... 60% on the cold side, and I'll put refrigerated and, uh, and uh, cold, and then about uh, 40% on the ambient side of goods.
0: It's pretty evenly matched, isn't it? Uh, going back to your, your autonomous vehicles, uh, what, what kind of tech do you use? What does what, what your tech stack look, and how, do, how does the management of that tech stack, uh, how is that?
1: Sure, so as I previously mentioned, our uh, focus are on repeatable known routes and our software stack is built specifically for those fixed, known, repeatable routes. Um, on the hardware side of things, we use a full stack. So we use LiDAR, we use radar, we use cameras, and we have redundancy baked in across the entirety of the stack. Safety is in our DNA. That's the first question that we ask at the beginning of each day, at the beginning of each meeting, and the last question that we ask, it's, it's kind of the bookend to everything that we do. So we recognize that um, have over-optimizing for the hardware and having that redundancy right now it just makes sense. It, it's it's a newer technology. And even though a lot of the figures coming out are showing that uh, most autonomous drivers are safer than human drivers, we want to double down on that and ensure that safety.
0: So uh, you, you currently have drivers in, in the trucks right now. Is that correct?
1: Yes, we currently have autonomous vehicle operators that keep their hands at four and eight. Uh, They don't touch the steering wheel very much on uh, routes that uh, we've been operating now for a little bit over a year. uh, At 12 hours per day, seven days per week, they touch the steering wheel less than once per month.
0: So when we talk about going fully autonomous, what does that look like? And what's the timeline? Do you think you'll accomplish full autonomy?
1: Well, Kevin, that is the billion-dollar question. Uh, and the short answer there is um, we are, we're quite ready to go on the tech sign, so we want to ensure that uh, we can work closely with our customers and with regulators uh, when we start doing the first unmanned runs. I can't give you an exact timeline, uh, but I will say that before summer rolls around next year, uh, we certainly plan to have that well in the bag.
0: On that timeline, um, so so next summer, do you think Arkansas would be the first routes that, or the first metro area that uh, you'll go full autonomous?
1: The plan is well before next summer, and uh, currently we are looking at Arkansas, uh, but I can't really commit to it until we finalize items with our partner and with regulators.
0: So, Sam, you mentioned this earlier in our discussion. Let's flip back to the economic skin and why it makes so much sense. Let's get in a little bit more detail why the middle mile makes so much sense for autonomous vehicles.
1: So, the core part there is that we're seeing a shift in fulfillment from regional distribution centers going directly to retail locations with long-haul trucks to the fulfillment happening at micro-fulfillment centers or even in the back of certain stores, and then going a shorter distance more times per day in a smaller form factor such as a box truck size vehicle. And that's more costly, right? It's just cheaper to have a 53-foot trailer operating uh, 12 hours per day, hitting several routes, uh, and fulfilling several stores rather than and essentially having a fleet of vehicles that are going back and forth, connecting multiple stores to one another for inventory pooling, or doing a micro fulfillment model, hub and spoking out to different retail locations uh, and fulfilling orders that way. But at the end of the day, that near real time fulfillment is what's being driven and required through e commerce and online orders. A customer is not going to wait uh, for an item or SKU to be fulfilled uh, for two days while we're waiting for that fifty three-foot trailer. Uh, however, if I if I order something on my way from uh, from work, and I want to pick it up at a specific location, if you don't have that item in that store, uh, within a four-hour window, one of our vehicles can either connect it, uh, pick it up from a different store, or pick it up from the local micro-fulfillment center. So, the economics for us make sense, because uh, that's the demand that we're seeing uh, in this e-commerce wave that we're riding from uh Players like Walmart and other customers.
0: I guess what you're saying is uh, companies like Gattic, you know, fully autonomous trucking will really be able to just shrink down the supply chain from. From you know fulfillment centers to the store, and make that that more directed than say w- you know delivering with a driver and, and a tractor trailer every few days. I, I, the trends of 2020 and COVID has has really shrunk that down into more of a straight line where you need multiple runs a day and smaller vehicles. So to really to, to really keep the shelves stocked.
1: Uh, that's right. You took what I said, made it really nice and concise, and that is the shift that we' that is the shift that we're riding right now in an autonomous fashion. um so the key part there as well is typically the salary uh, line when you have for the middle mile is about thirty to forty percent or higher. I'm being conservative on that side of things, and if you can offer cost savings of thirty to forty percent, that's a significant boon uh, for any business that also doesn't include the recruitment training and retention of drivers that's just purely the salary and benefits that are going out on a biweekly or monthly basis and if you can imagine not having to deal with that hr side of things uh, that's also significant uh, savings at a corp level we've looked at a few stats and i don't know how reliable these are but if you have a fleet of over a thousand drivers at any given point, five to ten percent are on holidays or on sick or on sick leave. So you know you don't only have those thousand drivers; you have that ten percent buffer on top of that that you're also paying for. Uh, a few other considerations there. Uh, not only do drivers get sick, but very understandably, especially during 2020 and COVID, they get fearful. They may not want to come into work because they have uh, an at-risk uh, in. A population, an elderly individual whom they need to take care of, and, and they're unable to pop into work. But that really does disrupt the supply chain, and, and it disrupts uh, essential goods from reaching consumers. So we take that out of the equation, because robots don't get sick, robots don't get scared, and uh, they're cheaper to operate.
0: As our audience can probably attest to, it's it's quite a challenge and, and quite expensive to, to recruit drivers, retain drivers, uh, cover the, the HR, you know, 5 to 10% are out every day, uh, as you said, Sam. So uh, what, overall, I mean, how does this change the, the true economics of running trucks?
1: Well, one of the interesting pieces there is we don't see our technology um disrupting drivers to a point where folks are going to start losing jobs. There are so many vacancies right now, uh, open driver positions, as your audience will certainly know, that the way we see it is this technology will start filling in some of those vacancies, jobs that people are not currently interested in, and maybe in 20, 30, or 40 years, there may not be driver positions, but we're not taking away uh, any existing jobs today. We're just slowly phasing those out, and we're already seeing an increased demand for drivers and and a decrease. Supply, uh, which is quite interesting. So the economics add up not only f- today for uh, different customers that adopt our technologies on the cost savings and efficiency side of things, but thankfully also they don't disrupt society from a level of creating any level of unemployment.
0: That's, that's good to hear. Definitely. So you guys in Gadic concentrate on the retail, you know, on, on the retail industry right now. How? How can this be scalable to, to other industries and other supply chains, other distribution centers, maybe like uh, uh, B you do B2B right now, but, but B2B type of, of moves where the consumer is not, not involved in whatsoever?
1: Yeah. So currently, we we focus specifically on grocery retail, but we see consumer electronics uh, as a viable use case. Uh, We see auto parts as a really uh, key use case as well. Uh, Earlier today, I had a conversation uh, with a company that um, distributes pallets uh, to to our customers. They then pick up those pallets, they fix them, and then they redeploy them. And a lot of those are fixed routes as well. So imagine. Any fixed route where you have a business unit on one end and either the same or a different business unit on the other end, that's our sweet spot. That's our wheelhouse. Fixed routes, B2B. Will we expand to B2C and other markets? Likely, but not for
0: the foreseeable future. So what is next for Gattuck? Where where does the story go from here?
1: So back on the COVID uh, story, uh, we've had... The increased demand is something that uh, we 're keeping up with, so we 've seen our existing customers want more vehicles um, sooner, and we 've seen a lot of deals that were in the pipeline close so we're we 're expanding we 're growing we 're really focused on the grocery side of things let's say for the next uh, next several months, if not year. Uh, But we're also very open to conversations. Anyone that looks to automate their on-road transportation um, are folks that we're interested in chatting with. And the last piece I'll kind of note there, which is kind of a way that we see this. The 2010s was all about warehouse automation. And the folks that moved quickly on that, even when there was a five-year ROI, which now if you do warehouse automation, it's typically a two- to three-year ROI. But the early movers that were okay with that five-year ROI are doing really well. They got that competitive advantage uh, from their clients or above, uh, above their competition, I should say. And what we're looking to do is automate on-road transportation. We really see the 2020s as the, as the decade where folks are going to start investing on uh, automating that piece of their supply chains.
0: Very interesting. Thank you very much for your time today, today Sam. Uh, how does our audience uh, reach out and learn more about GATTEC?
1: Yeah, you can check out our website, gattic.ai. Uh That's the best portal. And um, if you're interested in chatting with me, you can also reach out. My email is sam, S-A-M, at gattic.ai. Uh, and please reach out, even if you're just curious about what's happening with AVs, how quickly they're hitting the market, and most certainly, if uh, they can help your business, we're very interested in having those conversations.
0: Well, thank you again, Sam, and, and thanks to Gadic. And we'll keep tabs on you, definitely, and, and see how the story unfolds.
1: Right on. Thanks, Kevin.